scratching your head a little bit. <laughs> then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? So I, so I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and its width is 10 cubits. And he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according to this side of the scroll, and every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of the scroll. I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts. It shall enter the house of the thief, and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timber and stones. So why visions? You know, why does God do these things in these, you know, rather elaborate pictures? Because they're unforgettable. If you ever see this, you won't forget it. And it makes an impact. A picture's worth a thousand words. Some of them are a little, uh, I don't know, exotic, kind of weird. But, but that draws even more attention. You think about it more. You see it more. So here you've got this flying scroll. Now what is especially interesting about the scroll besides the fact that it's flying? It's huge! 20 cubits by 10 cubits. A cubit is a foot and a half, so you've got 30 feet by 15 foot scroll. Whoa! Get hit by that, you'll be uh, in trouble, won't you? And uh, what's written on the scroll, apparently? Curse. The curse against? Yeah. Thieves and perjurers. Thieves, crimes against man. Perjurers, people who take God's name in vain. That is, you swear to something by the name of God and don't do it. You're dishonoring the name of God, so crimes against God. All right, so this flying scroll that has the curse against the thief and the perjurer, what does the flying scroll do? And consumes their houses overnight. Destroys the wicked people of their houses. You can't escape. This is God destroying the wicked out of his people. I think that's what this means. Now there's probably a little bit more that you could say about some of the details. But the bottom line is, as God is blessing his people, he wipes out the wicked among his people. So he can't. He has to purge his people so he can bless them. I think that's basically what this deals with. And I think Vision 6 and the next one, Vision 7, are kind of complementary. And both of them deal with the idea of purging out the sin in one sense or another so that God can bless his people. Comments and thoughts? Alex? Uh, you know, it's kind of a big scroll for, you know, just a couple words on each side. Um, and I, I mean, obviously it's going to be memorable, but I think it's got more than that to it. I wonder if it emphasizes the, the strength of the Lord, the magnitude of the Lord. Usually when uh, the, the text uses the Lord of hosts, it's trying to emphasize the power of the Lord. And so I think maybe that scroll is, the size of the scroll emphasizes the might of the Lord. And it is of the dimensions of the holy place, which may indicate also a connection with the Lord. Good point. Yes. We had a class not too long ago about the, the land representing God. 
And uh, what they feared the most, spreading out, is what God makes happen. What they considered their greatest strength, their unity, he destroyed. And what they desired the most, make a name for themselves, they did. But not the kind of name they wanted. You know, Babel, Babel one, you know, is uh, commemorated their failure, not their success. So, very appropriate that we take wickedness away from God's people in the basket they use to cheat people, by the way, uh, and center in Shinar among our own kind. Now, the point is, for God to bless us, we've got to get rid of sin. Can I say a couple of things about that? You know, we need to be tougher on the idea of getting rid of sin. I think about the prophets a lot. Um, Jeremiah talks a lot about the false prophets who said, peace, peace, when there was no peace. You know, making people feel good when they're in the wrong is not helpful. That's not a blessing. You know, and, and people don't like to hear about sin. They don't like to hear about things they need to change and things they're wrong in. So they try to shut up the people who, who deal with those things strongly. And like we said last night, get positive messages. When people are in sin, the first order of business is get the sin away from them. Cut off your hand, pluck out your eye, cut off your foot, do whatever it takes to get rid of the sin. So often we want to go through the, the charade of sort of putting on a facade and an image of serving God while we've still got our pet sins we're harboring. We can't do it. We have got to take the sin away. Period. That's, that, that's fundamental in serving God. The thing that hangs us up it's because we've still got this sin that we've never really dealt with in our life. So I think it, it's really helpful in these two visions. God deals with the sin in his people. He's going to bless his people, but he can't do it until he purges them. You know, he consumes the houses of the sinners. He takes wickedness away. Repentance is the first message. You know, that's what John preached, the Baptist, that's what Jesus preached, that's what the apostles preached. Repent! You can't come to the Lord until you're willing to get rid of your sins. And that may be a negative message, it may not be a popular message, but when we don't deal with sin, then we're not ready to be blessed by God. And it keeps tripping us up and we wonder, why do we never grow? Why do we never find peace? Why do things never go well for us spiritually? That may be the very reason. So I think this is an important lesson for us. Come on. I like the on like the multiple stuff that's given over the sense you know you push wickedness back in the basket first. And then on top of that, so you wouldn't see sin anymore, you should often the lid over to make sure it doesn't happen again. And to really emphasize that it's taken far away. Uh, I think you know it's easy for us to maybe do one action and not go all the way to really remove sin from our lives. You know, maybe I, I push wickedness back in the basket, but I don't deal with what the problem is or what causes it, so I didn't really technically you know, drop the lid so I can I still get access there. Or, you know, I might not really fully gotten out of my heart and out of my life. I haven't taken it to shine. I haven't really gotten rid of it. I like the extent of that it's really shown to us. Excellent point. Yes. Yes. The top of sin 
as an abstract or a separate entity and kind of distance it from ourselves. And we need to remember that sin is often in our conscious decision to uh, rebel against God's will and to refuse to submit to Him and to trust in His providence and, um, and, and have faith in Him. And so, you know, it's impossible to be stopped that faith. And so, that's... Yeah. Sin is not something just sort of external to us. It doesn't really affect us. Sin is my choice and it's part of my character. And it does. Sin involves my lack of love for God and my lack of trust in God. You know, it's so it's really fundamental. I mean, we can't we can't serve the Lord without dealing with the sin issue. That's a good point. Other thoughts. Last vision.